0: I know what it's like to have someone producing $350,000 in revenue in a quarter, and they're an asshole. You got to let them go. And you say, but if they go, that's $300,000 of potential revenue next quarter that's walking out the door. I'm sorry. You got to do it. You're listening to Making It with John Davis. Hey guys, welcome to this episode. It's going to be a good one. We're going to talk about something that every entrepreneur needs to know. And frankly, anybody who wants to do anything in life that requires a team, this is super important. And that is hiring great people, how to hire a winning team. And this is important for a few reasons. A, I believe that people are the most important contributing factor to a successful company, a successful organization of any sort. I'm not alone in that thought. A lot of people believe that. And those who don't probably haven't run anything substantial. The problem I find when it comes to early entrepreneurship, when you're starting something up for the first time, you don't know how to hire people. You don't know how to look for things. I've been doing this for over a decade, and I still make Sort of, I make mistakes and then I look back and I go, geez, why didn't I think of that? Or I miss opportunities on people and they go work somewhere else. And I think, geez, how'd, how did I miss out on that? So I'm going to go over a few things that are vital to me. These are off the beaten paths. So I'm not going to tell you to do a personality test or do a reference check. You know, those things, maybe you're going to do them, maybe you won't. I'm going to give you things that have kind of stood out to me as mistakes I've made, things I've learned from. And I believe that they will help you in your journey the first one is what I would say is judge people on the stuff that's actually relevant to their role. Judge them on what's relevant to their role. I've seen managers, even in my own companies, complain about a teammate's lack of skill in an area that's really not related to what they do. And this happens because people often look at themselves and think, well, if I can do this, if I understand this, why doesn't that person? And if they don't understand this, they must not be that smart because I understand it and, and they don't. And it's a, very, uh, it's a human quality. You look at yourself and you say, well, if it's easy for me, it should be easy for others. And in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. Things that are easy for you make you unique. That's why you have the job you do, the role you do, the business you do, uh, the experiences you do. It makes you unique because that's your experience and that's what that's what's easy for you to understand. For other people, it might not be so easy. So as an, as an example, a sales rep that has lots of spelling errors in their emails, or a finance person who maybe doesn't understand how uh, digital marketing works. Looking at these things through your own prism and saying, well, if they don't get it, they must not be good a good fit for this team is really a twisted way to look at it. And the, and the problem is not just you being unfair to them. It's that you're going to lose a lot of good people who would otherwise be immensely valuable for your team. And I've been guilty of this. I've looked at people and I've thought, well, you know, they should understand this. Why don't they? But if you ask yourself the second question, which is, is this something that's vital for them to know and or can they learn it? Can I teach it to them? That's a much better way to look at it. And it'll save you from losing a lot of really great people. The second point I would make is that you need to train people quickly. Train them, train them quickly. Don't let that lag. Don't start on day five training them or day seven. Think about training people on day one. And there are some good tactics To get this done. And I'm going to share them in just a second. Um, Good training comes on the first day for a new employee. That's what you have to understand. Get them started right. They understand that you've got your shit together. They got to have it together as well because there's not going to be a lot of room for slack. Whereas if you let two, three, four, five days go by and you don't train them, they get the sense that, oh, I can just kind of, you know, I can take it easy here. I can relax. If that's the culture you're going for, then so be it. Certainly not the culture I'm going for. I want people to be really good at what they're doing, to be productive, to be proactive. And you got to set that tone early on. So we actually found moving to a remote culture, a remote workforce, which COVID forced many companies to do. It forced us to do it, of course. and, And we've tried to stay that way because it's actually opened up the field to hiring a lot more people, which has been fantastic. And so what we've pivoted to doing is online training, online video training to be specific. So we created an academy. And what we do is every department has uh, their own course selection, if you will. So you've got sales training, you've got marketing training, customer service training, uh, production training, whatever it is that your company does, all laid out. And every single thing from you know, we have a training video that tells you the history of the company. We have a training video that shows you how to set up your your laptop. We have a training video that shows you the tools that we use like Slack or Zoom, how we use them. Uh, We show you how to use our newsletter software. We show you how to um, create a presentation using our our presentation software. And we do all this in videos. We put it onto a video stream. We've got it gated and private so it's secure so no one else can see it. And we make sure that on day one, if you're coming into the marketing department, you can watch that marketing series and you know exactly what you're going to do. This really is a slick way to onboard. Uh, highly recommended. Some people do training manuals that are written. I find nobody reads those; it's a waste of everybody's time. I like video personally. I suppose you could do it in audio format too, but I would encourage you to get training out of the way as fast as you possibly can. Number three: get awkward conversations out of the way fast. Uh, sometimes we notice things on the first day working with someone on our team and we let it fester and that's a problem and i'm not talking about a fireable offense i don't mean if somebody does something terrible that you you know warrants firing them obviously you would deal with that uh asap but sometimes you have things like i'll give you an example this is kind of a funny one but we had a scenario this was about a year back towards the beginning of covid we hired a new employee and he started and we found that when we'd be on these team Zoom meetings, this new employee would constantly cut people off. So somebody would be in the middle of saying something, and this this new person would would cut you off. You know, three seconds into your sentence, and this became very disruptive. It became it was a little bit disrespectful. And I actually think it might have just been a, a delay in the internet connection. Maybe he wasn't hearing you, or he thought you stopped, or whatever the case was. Anyways. Um, uh, his manager got on the phone fast with him and basically said like, look, you've got to just watch this. But you know, please stop cutting people off. And I know it sounds like like not a big thing, but imagine had that persisted for weeks and weeks and weeks. It would have been a reputation being developed. Oh, this guy cuts people off or he's rude, he's dismissive. So uh, conversations like that get out of the way fast. I like this actually for a second reason, which is a bit of a hidden benefit, and that is it goes a long way at establishing rapport. Think about it like this. You have a conversation with someone that's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit awkward you have that conversation, they hear you out, they say, thank you for telling me. And right away, you've gone beneath the surface. You've kind of torn a layer of skin off. You've had a bit of a weird experience with somebody. And that can actually go a long way to building rapport. So I kind of like doing that on day one. Point out a flaw. And I don't mean you know in a critical or in an insulting way. Point something out and say, you know I think you could uh, maybe do this a little better. People will respect you. And they'll understand that you are here to Productively make things better and not and not you know be uh, be a, a negative presence. Okay, number four. This one might be my favorite. It might be my favorite. Focus on forward-looking signals when hiring somebody, not historical signals. So this is a huge mistake that I used to make when hiring sales reps. I would look at their rolodex, I would look at their experience, their, and how they did at their past companies, and I'd make a hiring decision based on that. Oh, you you handled uh, seventeen million dollars worth of business at your last company. You've got you know two hundred people in your rolodex who are buyers, and they could you know potentially buy from me also. Great, we should hire that guy. The problem with that is they could actually be counter signals. In the case I just gave you, when you hire a sales rep with tons of experience, tons of track record, you know, big Rolodex, they could actually be lazy. Uh, having a ton of success moving on to a new company, high-paid job, that could actually be a reverse signal because you don't want to work so hard. You've lost your hustle. You've lost your drive. And I'm not making that a general statement. There are plenty of seasoned sales pros who have done great work and have great work ahead of them. So I don't mean to make that a general statement, but it certainly could be a signal that runs counter to what you want. So instead, I look for things like... In a sales rep, I look for things like hustle, energy, optimism, persistence. Is this person someone who can get turned down a 100 times and still get back up, dust themselves off? And move on to the next one. And the same can be said for hiring somebody in marketing, somebody in production, somebody in operations, in finance, in in any category you're in. Don't just look at their experience and say, oh, well, they've got lots of experience. They're going to do a great job. That might not be the best signal. It also might be out of context. Think about it like this. If they've worked at a very large company, and they're moving to a much smaller company. It's much easier to get things done and look like a genius when you're surrounded by, you know, 700 other people that are supporting you. What happens if you're moving to a company of 15 people, 25 people? All of a sudden, the bruises, the scars, the things that you didn't do so well, all of a sudden there's going to be a spotlight on those. So think about that, and make sure you're making a decision based on the forward-thinking signals, not the past signals. All right. Number five, you got to put yourself in your colleagues' shoes. So one of my own blind spots as a leader has been favoring people that I would like to work with. But you have to think to yourself, are other people going to want to work with them? And is this somebody who would actually mesh well with their team? So I'll give you a really good example. I'm not a developer. I'm not a software guy. I'm not an IT guy. I'm a business guy. And I work with a lot of IT people, a lot of developers. And I have for many years. And one thing I find is, personality-wise, I am about as far away from a developer as you could possibly be. Developers oftentimes are very quiet. They put their headphones on, they start coding, they go for 9 hours, 11 hours, you know, without talking to anybody. Uh, they they actually don't even like to talk on the phone or in in person. They prefer to just type, and you know you uh, you get a message on on your DM. There's a, a very different personality type for someone who is a really really good developer. So think about it like this: if I'm going to hire somebody as a developer, and I want to make sure they get along with the other developers, it's actually not going to be somebody that I. Per se, want to hang out with, or grab a beer with, or spend you know spend a weekend with. It may be someone who actually don't really want to spend a lot of time with, but I know they're going to be great at their job, and I know they're going to be great working with their team because it's going to be someone who's like them. So don't be selfish thinking about oh that this person's going to be great because I'd love to hang out with them. It's not all about you, especially in a growing company. Maybe it'll work if you're you know a two or three person company, but when you're hiring. 20 people or 30 people, you're hiring that 50th person, you've got to remember, you have other colleagues who have different uh, preferences. So don't just think about yourself. And the last point that I'm going to make, and I saved the best for last, avoid assholes at all costs. Oh, avoid assholes at all costs. I know this one is cliche, but hear me out. Hear me out on this one. A lot of really good salespeople. I just gave a compliment to the salespeople a second ago. I'm now going to bash the salespeople. It's okay. I'm a salesperson. I, I can say it. A lot of good salespeople are assholes. And I'm a salesperson. I've worked with them for decades. We all know them. They hit their numbers. Uh, they they think they're the best ones. They pull up in their Model, uh, in their model S at 11am. They like taking expensive lunches. They like treating the customer service reps like a personal assistant. I've seen them. Now, I want to point out, most salespeople I work with are not like this. But the ones that are make the whole team feel like garbage. And you've got to avoid them. You've got to get them off your team. I know what it's like to have someone producing $350,000 in revenue in a quarter. And they're an asshole. You got to let them go. And you say, but if they go, that's 300000 of potential revenue next quarter that's walking out the door. I'm sorry. You got to do it. You got to do it. I'm sorry, but it'll make a huge difference because it'll allow for you to grow and scale as a company without having to have people like that on board, screwing it up for everybody else. Um, And there are so many examples I could share. I'm not going to bore you, but assholes on the team, just bring the whole team down. So ask yourself this question. When this person leaves the room, do people feel like garbage or do they feel uplifted? And if they feel like garbage, you probably have somebody on your team that you don't want to have there anymore. And if they feel uplifted, great. Give that person a round of applause. Give them a raise or a bonus because they're making it better for everybody. Okay. TLDR. Let's do a summary here. One, judge people on relevant stuff, relevant to their role. Number two, train people up fast. Number three, get awkward conversations out of the way quickly. Number four, focus on forward-looking signals, not historical signals. Number five, put yourself in your colleagues' shoes when you're hiring people. Number six, avoid assholes at all costs. Six rules for hiring that are going to make your job much, much easier. If you enjoyed this, go ahead and follow me at RealJohnDavids on Twitter. Hashtag making it. Would love your thoughts. I'll talk to you guys soon.